Praise the Lord. God bless you. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made and we are rejoicing and glad in it. And I believe uh, that this is a season that God uh, continues to show his faithfulness toward us as we trust him. Uh, thank you so kindly for coming in and please share this uh, experience with others as we gather in tonight, because this is going to be a life changing experience. And I want you to just uh, let someone know uh, that we are on, that we are here, uh, and that something supernatural is on the agenda. So praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, and we are grateful to God uh, for his faithfulness, for his grace, uh, as we celebrate one week in 2022. Can we say amen? Uh, one week in 2022. And I believe that the best is yet to come. We're not going to belabor the time. We're going to move directly uh, into uh, our presentation tonight. And we have a man of God, a man of God that God is using, that God has used for generations. And uh, I'm going to put him right on and we're going to begin to share together. Let's receive Archbishop Dennis Miles Dolphin. God bless you, sir. How bless are you, you Bishop? How's Doing everything? Good, Bishop. Good to see good. you. Uh, honored to have you with us and uh, honored to do this. And thank you so much for your patience, uh, as well as we are launching something new on a new platform and an entirely new experience. And I believe uh, that God has some major things for us tonight. How you doing? Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Bishop. I'm doing Thank fine. You, sir. I hope you can hear me okay. Yes, sir. I can hear you well. I can hear you well. Okay. I can hear you well. And uh, I believe that uh, this is just an exciting time uh, to be alive. Uh, 2022. Uh, 2022. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it's, it's kind of unfathomable because, you know, you had the Flintstones and the Jetsons uh, happening simultaneously years ago, and now you got Jetson-like uh, tendencies in the world. So it's just really exciting uh, to be alive and, and to be present. And I want to just, uh, first of all, introduce you formally to our platform. Uh, we are so grateful again uh, just to have your wisdom and your insight. Archbishop uh, Dennis Golfin has been in ministry over 58 years, and uh, we we celebrate uh, your sagacity, your legacy, and your wisdom uh, that you have given to the body of Christ. Uh, we met 10 years ago, almost over 10 years ago now, uh, at a yeah. theological intensive on the campus of Harvard University. And uh, I didn't know no black folk at Harvard, uh, but <laughs> uh, and, and it was just amazing to uh, meet you. And as I always tell you privately, and I'll even say publicly, uh, you know, you were one of the first to embrace me then. And the Lord uh, crossed our paths again. And, and we're just honored. One thing I deeply admire about your ministry and your spirit is humility out of all of the uh, education, out of all the other things that God's blessed you to have. You have been uh, so humble so gracious and so kind. And uh, we're just so grateful to have you on tonight. So, sir, uh, welcome. Welcome to Global Online and, and welcome to yeah. this ministry. Yes, sir. How you feeling? I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm good. Glad to be here tonight and glad to be sharing with you on this platform. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, you know, I, I was thinking about 
uh, our theme, uh, the theme that we uh, called this meeting that we're doing for the, uh, we're trying to look to possibly do it as a series uh, in terms of monthly. Uh, and, and one of the things that kept coming to me was the concept of spark. Uh, when it comes to a spark, I think of an idea a way of growth, a way of progression, something, it takes a spark to light a fire. And as we begin a brand new year, uh, there are always so many things that come to mind, that come to our hearts. And one of the things that I wanted to do during our time of dialogue, since you uh, already told me uh, this is not an interview, uh, <laughs> one of the things I wanna do in our time of dialogue, just spend some time uh, discerning where we are. Uh, you know, the Bible says in uh, the, the book of First Chronicles uh, that the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And a lot of times uh, we don't have a proper understanding of the times to know what the church ought to do. How has that been for you in this season uh, of life and ministry? Uh, it's been a discovery. And I okay. say that uh, very candidly to say that I think that um, we know in part, so we believe in part. Mm -hmm. I think we saw a fiasco of pathetic utterances last year of people mm. trying to grab the whole picture and trying to um, talk ahead of where God was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I often mention to leaders all the time, we, we spend a lot of time with people wanting to talk for God but we don't have a lot of people talking to God. Yes. And I think that's that's where right now I'm spending time in prayer and mm -hmm. in study talking to God. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. not so much want to be his voice piece. I want to be his ear right now. Mm. Wow. And you, wow. So you don't you're not focused on the mouth, but having an ear toward heaven. And, sure. you know, it's, it's funny you say that. Uh, because it's so easy today to want to be that talking head. You know, our society and our world uh, today uh, really is a world of words. Uh, everybody's talking. Everybody has a soapbox. Everybody has something to say. Everybody has something they're trying to get off of their chest, so on and so forth. And like you just said, uh, spending time talking to God having an ear toward heaven. You, you, you're in a series and you've been teaching on Book of Revelation. And, you know, I, I think about how John, when he's on the Isle of Patmos, continues to say, he that have an ear, let him hear. He that have an ear, let him hear. He that have an ear, let him hear. And that sensitivity today, it's, it's so alluring because, you know, it's very easy to be distracted. It's very easy to allow the things that are happening around us or in front of us or beside us to easily beset us. And, and for me, I've had to really focus in on quieting my spirit uh, to uh, really hear what the Lord is saying uh, for this time, you know, because uh, normally people have a tendency to look at what this person saying and what that pastor saying and what this one is doing and what's happening over here. And one of the operative things, one of the first things that the Holy Spirit really relayed to me during the pandemic was, it was two things. First, he said to me, he said, you know, uh, there are no experts now. And I was 
really perplexed by that. And then it made sense because the only people that could have really guided us or given us insight to the pandemic uh, would have been a hundred years ago, you know, and, and, uh, you know, my great grandfather was born in 1909. So wow. he, he would have been nine years old. My grandfather's father, mm-hmm. my mom's he'd been nine years old during the Spanish flu, but he's been gone since the eighties. So I would have had to dig him up to try to ask <laughs> what I should do, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I use that metaphor to say that sometimes we are not content with the season we are in and we're trying to dig up old things and dig up old places and dig up old stuff instead of being at peace with where we are. Uh, I, one of the things that I've noticed just about your demeanor uh, as a, a man of God is that, you know, despite anything that happens that comes your way, you're always at peace with it. You know how to just go with the flow. How did that start for you? And uh, how has that got, been an anchor for you in this season? For me, I think it's looking at the ministry of Jesus, uh, looking at the, the kingdom of God, looking, mm-hmm. first of all, how Jesus balance his ministry there are two things to me that are more important than the power he displayed was his private life he prayed and he went into isolation Mm. and some and i and i mentioned that only because i think as some of the church fathers looked at the life of jesus they Mm -hmm. saw his poverty that's one thing but they start going into man monasticism where they're isolation became too extreme Mm. Um, jesus went into the mountains to pray he was isolated when he talked to the father but he knew how to come back down from the mountains and to Mm. relate to the crowds so i Mm. I think there there's got to be a balance in ministry uh, where there's times that you isolate but there are also times that you minister Mm. wow there's times that you isolate and then there's also times that you minister. Uh, how do we then sing the Lord's songs in this strange land? Uh, you're a historian, you're a historian. So, you know, I think about some of the greatest times in history, uh, in recent times, uh, the, great, the Great Depression, uh, and then also looking uh, even more recently, the Great Recession that I was doing some uh, reading about this economist named Alexander Green. And Alexander Green shared about uh, how the 2020s post-COVID could be considered the great reshuffling. And mm-hmm. and when I was thinking about all of that, it made me begin to think about uh, how everything that we have known is changing, has changed, and will forever change. And you said something years ago that uh, resonated with me. Uh, You said it years ago, I think it was either at Harvard or Yale, you said uh, that God doesn't change, but he allows change. And, uh, you know, it's like almost, it's kind of, it's really in a sense, almost like we're good with it when we can control it. But when we can't control it, it, it begins to disrupt us. You know, and and I'm not even talking about just the world. I'm talking about even us as believers in the body of Christ, uh, because we like change up until the point we know how to manage it. We know how to handle it. We know how to keep it. 
But once that changes, it's almost like, well, the, the carpet's been ripped up under our feet and we're trying to navigate uh, how to walk through all of those uh, particulars. And, and so I was just thinking about that because one of the major questions that I've had, uh, you know, whenever you hit a calendar year and, and people are always uh, sketchy when it comes to that, because you hear someone say that the word of the Lord is this and the word of the Lord is that. But, you know, when it comes to a calendar year, a new time that we're in, what do you sense? What do you sense uh, God is saying in all of this, in all of this? Uh, what's uh, that you know, as, as I started off the um, series I did on the overview of the end times, mm -hmm. I talk about this idea of time. Um, mm -hmm. I think that we keep talking about our time that we are now, which is basically I would like to describe as solar time, because we're worried about 365 and one-fourth days um, mm -hmm. revolving around the sun. Um, God's dealing with prophetic time, uh, which when we look at in scripture, it comes out to be 360 days. Mm. Um, so God has a different time clock than we do. And I think yeah. that we have to come to that understanding. But the understanding of eschatology this time of year, every time mm -hmm. we get to the end of the year, people worry about the end of the world. Um, the world <laughs> time clock is keep going. And yeah. So we talk yeah. about the consummation of everything. And so mm -hmm. December is always a, a time that people start worrying about new year coming in. Is the world coming to the end? Uh, right. Is there is God is Jesus coming back again? Um, right. We have all of these questions that are going on. And so we have people who are so free. I, I, I am I am I am a little different, Bishop, because I'm at awe and afraid of everybody who's so quick to say what God says all the time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like they don't have no fear. Yeah, They're, everybody's always sensing something. God is always saying something to me. Yeah, I never saw God in Scripture talk so much as He as He's claimed <laughs> to be talking today. In fact, Ooh. when God talked a lot, He was always pronouncing judgment. Wow, wow! It's when He wasn't talking so much that usually things were usually fine. But if you mm. look at the pattern of Scripture, especially in prophecy. When a prophet spoke, when he spoke a lot about what God was saying, it was usually about the disobedience. Right, right. About what's going on. We don't hear enough corrective words. What we hear mm. a lot of is soothing words. Mm. Where are the real words of God? You mean to tell me God is pleased with everything? I don't think right. so. Right. And I think that if we really want to be pathetic, we really want to understand what God is doing, let's say what he's really saying. Uh, mm -hmm. I love Jeremiah 23 and 21, which says, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not yes. spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Mm -hmm. So I think that if we really give the real word of God, in yes. Jeremiah 29, everybody wants to get to verse 11, but you need oh. to read verse 3 down to verse 11, where he talks about don't believe the prophets who are pronouncing prosperity. Right. What yes. God wants to do is pronounce judgment. And I think there are a lot of corrective things, not just in America, but in the global body of Christ. I love your title. This is Global Fire. So let's yes. talk about the global church. Let's not just yes, talk sir. about the church in America. Yes, because sir. we're so focused on thinking we're it. 
that we miss the whole picture about what God is doing around the world. We don't get a lot of news here about the persecution and the Christians who are dying in other countries and are mm. falling down. I get global news. I'm on global prayer change. Open, yes, open house is a good one. Tells you about where Christians are persecuted all over the world. It's a program. It's a ministry called Open Door. They put out an mm. annual world watch list of the nations who are persecuting Christians and the top nations who are really persecuting. Give you something to pray for. Global uh, or Open Doors also gives you where to pray for in all the states in the United States. Hmm. And so you can focus your prayers into where the intensity of Satan. I am worried because in the book of Revelation, in the church in Pergamon, there was where the seat of Satan was. Woo! And so I am wondering today, just where is Satan's seat today? Mm. Jesus. And that's another whole thing, but I just wanted to throw that Jesus. out. Jesus. Oh my God. Shots fired. Man, where is mm -hmm. Satan's seat? Wow, I see Bishop Edwards uh, commenting on this. Wow, you just you just you just did something that that stirred me and we're and we're in dialogue. Uh you know, you mentioned Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, 23, 21, and Jeremiah 29, verses 3 right. through 11. And, and as you just shared, uh, the emphasis of or the distinction between uh, confronting words or words of correction and soothing words. Uh, I think of, when I hear this, I think of, I think of Jeremiah 5 and 1. Where in Jeremiah, wow. I love Jeremiah. When I first started preaching, yes. ministry, I was in the Old Testament because mm -hmm. I, I yeah. was raised by old preachers said, You really want to learn how to preach, you study the Old Testament. And so Jeremiah right. 5 and 1, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to just pull it up real fast because mm -hmm. I, I, love, I love the way it says and I, I love the word again. You know how we do it. It's actually, actually, Jeremiah 5, mm -hmm. um, the Lord starts really, it, it, it's really a song. What, what mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand is that prophets sang. And they spoke. So Stop. when they were when they were bringing a blessing from God, they sang. People loved when the prophets came singing because they knew mm. they were going to get a blessing, that God was really pleased. But when he came talking, they would run. Because <laughs> they know what he had to say, they didn't want to hear. Mm. 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 Wow, they were nervous. And you know, it's funny because, man, you, you just stirred me up. Because in Jeremiah 5, he says, I'm going to read this one first. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look around, see now, and, and take note. Search its squares and see if you can find me a man. Now, of course, we know uh, he's not speaking just to uh, gender specific there. He says, see if you can find me one, you know, who acts justly, seeks truth that I may pardon them. You know, and so yes. the entire city is around. You know, and, and you are a scholar who's lived in Jerusalem. You know how big Jerusalem is. And he's using as the prophet's using as a metaphor. Look around this city, and God is looking for one. Oh man, that, that blew me away because we're oftentimes looking for the masses. We're oftentimes looking for the next big thing. We're oftentimes looking for the next voice. Uh, we're oftentimes looking for the one that's going to be the next big seller or the one that's going to be the next. And, and, and he says, look around and see if you can just find for me one person who's living according to my heart 
and according to my desires, which means that there'll be more who are false proclaimers than real ones. Well, you know, your show is called Spark. Spark, yes, Abraham sir. Abraham said, if you just find 10 people, we yes, can sir. sit. Yes, so sir. I think we've got to get away from this thing that we need a mass multitude to have a move from God. Mm. Every move of God, if you really watch it, now watch this, have always been precipitated by a small group gathering. Mm. It was mm. always a small group. You know, when you look mm. at Gideon, he had to trim his army down. When you look at the upper room, when they were on the mountain court in the first Corinthians 15 and one, there were 500 that watched Jesus and his ascension go up. Yes, sir. Yet when they go back to the upper room, only 120, 380 yes, lost yes, their faith. Yes, only sir. 120 of those went back to the upper room. That's and right. so there's only, there's only a remnant That's that right. we need to really seek God. We keep yes, we sir. want to go march on DC, march on the Capitol, have thousands of Christians do this because we yeah. think it's in the numbers. Right. It, it's right. not in the numbers, mm. it's in those small groups that would have the sincerity to seek God in prayer. Mm. Um, there was a Lutheran pastor uh, called Dennis Bennett in the 70s who sparked mm. a, a charismatic movement that the mm. move of the Holy Spirit was moving outside the Pentecostal church, and he was praying, and and the Holy Spirit fell on him. And I think that uh, we see many moves of God that small with small beginnings. Uh, Azusa Street, it was a yes. small beginning, yet yes. the effects were worldwide. And yes. I think this remnant is what we, we somebody said remnant in the, in yeah, the uh, chat. And, that, and that's true. We need yes. a remnant. That's, that's all yes, we sir. need. Let's stop trying to get everybody. We don't need a circus. Mm. We need a, a remnant. Lord have mercy. So we keep trying to, especially in America, we think it's, a, mm. well, we need a revival. We think we're supposed to have a circus. Mm. And it's not a circus that God is looking for. He's just looking for a few good people. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I'm sitting here trying to capture this and, and, and type it. You know how I, I'm a scribe. I'm, a scribe. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, yeah. and, but you just said something that really, really stirred my spirit uh, that we don't need a circus. Uh, but it seems as if today, Ephesians 4.11, uh, well, before we even get to verse 4, uh, verse mm -hmm. 11, uh, when we go to the beginning, mm -hmm. the Apostle Paul is alluding to what uh, the psalmist says when he says he took captivity captive, gave gifts mm -hmm. unto them, okay, and then he right. gave uh, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints and the equipping, you know, the equipping of the ministry, the equipping of the people of God. Now, the equipping of the saints uh, is to shape us into the unity of the spirit. The challenge is, is that instead, what I'm noticing is that instead of the equipping of the saints, we have the entertainment of the saints. True. And, and, and because of that, we've got a malnourished people uh, who, who are uh, more hardwired in terms of what God has to say to me. Because Americanism and Americanization, since we're talking globally, uh, the westernized perspective uh, is all about the individual. Whereas when we go uh, far east, uh, as you have traveled to Africa, 
to Asia. You cover bishops in Pakistan, uh, uh, in Indonesia, New Zealand. When you go out east, it's more communal. It's more cooperative. And Christianity did not begin in America. It is communal faith. Mm -hmm. And what affects one affects the whole. And a lot of times, for some reason, uh, that collectivity factor has been sorely, sorely, sorely missing. And, and what I've been blown away by, just by the pandemic and how things have happened, is that I think the pandemic, uh, while we've been dealing with and grappling these last 18 to 24 months, I feel that like it's also been a, a reset, uh, a reset uh, in terms of uh, that operative word that we have heard, essentials. And and for for me, uh, it, and you did a, a series during that time, and you can go on YouTube, guys, and see it called Back to Basics, yeah. uh, getting right. back to the elementary things of the faith and, and really asking what did God really call us to be versus what we've become? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really a major tenet there to, to really wrestle through, because there's a lot of things that we do, but it doesn't really mean that God called us to do it. And 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 so uh, I've, I was just just reflecting on that as you just uh, shared that, uh, because that was that was so so, so strengthening uh, and so, so encouraging. So so when you think about uh, just some of what we've already begun to, to look at and unpack. Uh, I, I, I was praying the other day and I was uh, doing some writing and some thinking. Not only are you a mentor, a pastor's pastor, a spiritual father and all that, mm-hmm. you're also my doctoral mentor and all the stuff that I'm working mm-hmm. on. And I was, I was just looking historically at the parallels between the 21st century church and the first century church. And you said something about open door. We don't really like to talk about persecution. Uh, we don't right. like to talk about uh, not being liked for our faith because uh, for the most part, the last 30, 40, 50 years in the United States, it's been very cute and cosmetic Christianity. Uh, but now mm-hmm. the tide is changing. The rise of the nuns, uh, N-O-N-E-S, you know, the rise of mm-hmm. people, persons who no longer have the same affinity to faith as we once saw. And so uh, as we begin to see that and even the way media portrays uh, the things of God here in the U.S., uh, it's an entirely different tone than it was grandfather's generation and years prior. And so, but, uh, yes, sir, but please. Bishop, let me interrupt. Let me interrupt you. Please. That's what, so I, that's what I want to No, no, but here's the problem. I just want to say this. Yes, sir. We spend too much time on application and mm-hmm. not enough time on interpretation. Mm. And so our hermeneutics becomes more appliable. Something you mentioned. We're trying mm-hmm. to compare the 21st century church with the first century church. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the application, let's ask some questions of the interpretation. Yes. Let's find yes. out what it was that mm-hmm. the primitive church or the first century church had and did that was not parallel to where we are, but what have we progressed to? Because Christianity has progressed. We're not mm-hmm. in the same um, world concept. We're not in the same worldview. 
we don't have the same things that were going on. There are a lot of things that are different now than they were when the early church started. Uh, mm -hmm. An oppressive regime. Yes. Uh, no democracy. Yes. It was sovereignty in terms of uh, emperor worship. Uh, yes. We don't. We live in a country where we talk about we're democratic. It's a whole different. There is really no applicable parallel in terms mm -hmm. of what they have. Now, I think, and and this is this is where I am in terms of looking at where the scriptures. Let's go back and see what he did with the children of Israel. He pulled them out of Egypt, out of that environment they were in, so they could get to something. But in terms of pulling them out. What was he? What did he do? He took them in the wilderness to teach them two things. He wanted to teach them to worship and to teach them how to live. So, mm. he, and, he, and he had two things. He, well, in America, here's where we are. We missed those two P's in the, in the middle that I didn't back the basic. We want to mm. move from the promise to the provision. Mm. And we don't want to deal with the pattern and the principle. So we, we wow. just hear the promises and we don't move right to when I can get it. And so we want to get to the provision, but in between the promise and the provision is there is a pattern that's going to help us to develop there because we got to be mature. And then there are principles that we've got to live by in order to get to the provision, but we don't want the middle ground. And instead, mm -hmm. and instead of turning worship into something that started out to be very sacred, it now has become fun. And so mm -hmm. in terms of Jewish worship, it was a type yeah. of awe and reverence in Jewish worship mm. that in our charismatic worship today, we too cavalier about. Mm. In fact, worship is turning, as we mentioned, entertainment is turning more into fun than it mm. is into sacredness. And when you talk about being sacred, people talk about you being boring. So we find a way now of finding to keep people's attention because people need to be entertained yeah. instead of convicted. The Bible Ooh. said, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will convict the world, right. John 16 and 9, of sin. So instead of being convicted, we don't want people to be convicted now. We just want them to be comforted. And so mm -hmm. we're so busy comforting people and stroking them. And we're about, we don't cast demons out anymore. We, 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 we comfort <laughs> demons. Talk we that. coach them. We coach Talk demons. That. Talk so that. We're not, we're not casting out. We're coaching <laughs> And, and so we we regret, Jeez. I think this whole idea of entertainment, I did an article, a blog a few years ago on the Trojan horse syndrome. And mm. I am Talk. convinced Talk. that something has crept into the church that is mm. polluting our worship. If you mm. pollute the worship, it is because you have first polluted the doctrine. Woo. Because if people don't believe right, they're not going to worship right. And if mm. they don't worship right, they're not going to live right. So our orthodoxy in doctrine has got to be arrested again. What do we believe? And then yes, what we believe, our orthopraxy, how do we worship and how do we live? It's something yes. that we find ourselves never uh, trying to get back to that again because we're so busy trying to entertain and entertain. Hmm. Sila, man, that's powerful. Uh, I, you just, whew, Lord have mercy. Um, if you have polluted the worship, we pollute the doctrine. What I've always taught, and as you just shared, what we 
believe dictates how we behave. And, right. and getting back to an understanding of a doctrinal foundation. Book of Hebrews says the elementary things of the faith and what was considered in scripture, the elementary things of the faith uh, could even be considered in this biblically illiterate time today as the unknown things of the faith uh, because there has been a discarding of anything that is principle and precept. And, and you just said something that I think uh, really, really has resonated really has resonated and and that is uh that that we 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 look at the promise and the provision but we don't want the pattern and the principles to live by second timothy right. two and two uh that um, Paul says to timothy that you are to follow and pass this on that the pattern that's right. The pattern is transformative. The pattern is transcendent, but the pattern is also transgenerational. What is conveyed must be carried on. Right. What is conveyed must be carried on. And the challenge today is that we no longer uh, respect what has been released uh, prior to, because what I've found is that for many of us, especially in the season that we're in now, uh, we have in the body of Christ, especially in the West, uh, we have almost a historical amnesia as it pertains to who we are, uh, where we're looking at the culture and we're looking at uh, other areas and other things instead of really embracing who we are. Are. Why is it that? Uh, because when we look at the pattern, when you talk about scripture, you talk about patterns and principles. I, I, I love it because when you talk about the pattern, uh, when we look at the scriptures, we see we see the tabernacle. And then uh, from the tabernacle, we also see, and you have a powerful revelation, and I'm, I'm going to pull on you tonight. Because <laughs> you know where I'm going. You know where I'm the, going. The chat, the chat you know box is lighting up, though. Yeah, you know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. I'm about to pull yeah. on. I'm about to pull your cord. You know, I'm about to pull yeah. your cord. All right. So mm -hmm. we, we see the pattern being set by Moses, the tabernacle yeah. of Moses. My grandfather, growing up, we had mm -hmm. tabernacles everywhere. We had a picture of the tabernacle <laughs> in, in the house. In the base, we had a picture of tabernacle of the church because my grandfather believed if you didn't understand tabernacle, you didn't understand the Bible. So, 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 right. so the tabernacle of Moses, and then we see the development of the glory pattern after David with the development of Solomon's temple. Okay, and then we move from that and we follow that pattern into the pattern of the tabernacle being a place to now Christ tabernacling among us. Uh, uh, yeah. through him. Now, my question to you is uh, uh, from, from the tabernacle to the temple uh, and then even into the new covenant, uh, where have we gone wrong when it comes to our reverence and worship? Because we lost the sense of a pattern. Mm -hmm. See, Everything God sets up, he has precise instructions for. Mm. Here is um, when he when he sets up the tabernacle through Moses, he says, and, and we can follow this in Hebrews 8, but he mm. also says it in Exodus chapter 25. Be careful mm -hmm. to follow the pattern. Yes, Do sir. exactly what you're doing, because what you're doing is making a replica of what's in heaven. I need mm. to sink heaven and earth. Mm. So the tabernacle was supposed to sink heaven and earth 
because what you're setting up in the wilderness is what was then patterned from what was in heaven. Mm. I mean, that, that's really the thing. So when it, when the tabernacle matures, it's it's move, movable. It's a movable tent that's yes. moved. You've got three tribes on each direction around the tabernacle. And you mm. can get that in Numbers chapter 1 and chapter 2, which three tribes is on the north, the south, the east, and the west. So all, there are three tribes on each around the tabernacle. And there's a reason for that pattern. Yes, sir. Everything has to be done precisely in the pattern. Mm. Yes, when sir. When we get to the temple, because David wanted to build a temple and move away from Moses' tabernacle, move to the temple, put mm. the ark in. Here's the problem. When it became the temple, they discarded David's tent. Mm. <laughs> Remember, the ark of the covenant was in David's tent. Mm. And they discarded David's tent. We don't see a mention of David's tent again until James brings it up in Acts chapter 15. Mm. How God promised to restore David's fallen tent. And now we get back. Well, what was different about David's tent and the temple was that all of worship was centered on the glory, not just for the high priest to come in, not just for the priest to minister and do sacrifice, but everyone was to worship around the glory of God. Wow. That was a pattern of the church. Wow. We come in, we come before the glory of God. Mm. It's a whole different pattern than the temple. I mean, you couldn't even come in to worship unless you were clean. You had to be circumcised. The, the temple was very sanctified, and, and rightly so, it should have been. But the church was designed to bring in the sick, the main, the lost. Mm -hmm. And yes. so we were designed to bring in those to be clean when they came in. The mm. temple was designed to keep out the unclean. The mm. church was designed to bring in the unclean. Whew. Jesus. What a pattern. My God. Wow. That's the difference mm. between the temple and the church. When I when I contrast the temple and the church, the temple was designed to keep out the unclean. But the mm. church is designed to bring in the unclean. Because mm. the blood of Jesus. Oof, glory. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'm we've done in the Reformation period. Here's the problem we did. The whole center of worship, even in the church, was the altar. Mm. It is where we meet God. Mm. Just like in the Old Testament. But during the Reformation period, we have decided to lower the altar and raise the pulpit. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so the proclamation right. of the word became more important than the power of the word. Woo. The power of the word was at the altar. If you please, the communion table. That's right. That's because right. He says, as often as you do this, in Luke 22, you show forth my death and suffering till I come again. That's right. So it is and the table that New Testament worship has to be padded around. Right. It's the, it's the right. table because we're doing this until he comes again when he's going to commune with us at that table. When That's we get right. To the king. That's right. And, and That's there we miss the whole message of the gospel is the kingdom. It is the kingdom. <laughs> God's kingdom. Yes, sir. So so we, if we get these two words together, covenant in the Old Testament, kingdom in the New Testament, you really explain the entire Bible. Because the Bible is about the covenant that he makes and the kingdom that he establishes. Mm. So without the covenant, there is no kingdom. Without the kingdom, there can be no covenant. Jesus, though. <laughs> That's right.
That's right. And and see, one of the things that 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 you just you just you just said so much. But one of the things that I want to hone in on that I, I think is is so apropos for where we are is that the table being the center for New Testament worship. And, and when we understand the Eucharist and, and having a sacramental imagination uh, yes. that this Jesus says, this is my body broken mm -hmm. for you. Uh, this become this is my body broken for you. And, and it's the things that we take lightly. But in that moment, it is a new covenant reality for our redemption. It is a new covenant reality by which we have received. And, and just as Jesus is a sacrament, uh, Alexander Shimmerman in his book, For the Life of the World, says that Jesus is uh, the sacrament of God. The church is the sacrament of Christ. And I, I like uh, another writer, Luke Timothy Johnson, that mentioned once that the church uh, is the sacrament of possibility, a reminder of what the world uh, a reminder of what is to come. So as a covenant community, when we gather together, and I think that that's one of the major tactics of the enemy during all of this stuff was to almost cause the people of God to reject the importance of us coming together as the people of God. Because even on our uh, online platforms, Barner did a study saying that even majority of our uh, people uh, weren't even as active even when they were being, being able to tune in from home because we, we, did, we don't value that collective presence. And so one of the things that the Lord reminded me of is uh, the distinction between Acts chapter one and verse eight, uh, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost mm -hmm. parts of the earth, and then Acts chapter eight, verse number one, when there That's was right. a Scattering. And so one of the things mm -hmm. that came to me in my spirit uh, during this time over these last 18 to 24 months is that uh, we had shifted from the church gathered to the church scattered, but we were still in covenant community because of the table of the Lord and, and, and us being a corporate house and a corporate body. That's why when we would, we always have conversations about prayer <laughs> mm -hmm. and the importance of prayer and the entire church pray. Right. You know, we look today at, at prayer as if it's a spiritual gift, but the entire church is called to pray. The entire church right. is called uh, to seek the face of God. And, and uh, I said I, I said something once that had come to me when I was sharing with some uh, leaders, and that is to the immature, prayer is a chore, but to the <laughs> mature, prayer is an opportunity. I love it. That sounds and, good. And let, I, me, let me let me stop you for one minute. Yeah, yeah, let's slow. We're flowing. One thing is so important as you flowing in yes, this sir. whole area is that you talked about the church gathered has now mm -hmm. become the church scattered. Yes, sir. And what do we see happening more than anything? What are we doing? We have moved from the proclamation of the word to the explanation of the word. Yes, we have. Teaching has become invaluable because we're online. I've never been mm -hmm. called to ask to teach so much Bible class as I had in this last year or two. Mm -hmm. uh, before the pandemic, everybody wanted to hear a sermon. Now everybody wants an explanation of the scripture. And I've spent a year in my back to basics 
with hundreds of people wanting to get into the study of the word. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not convinced that we're in a plague. I'm more since we're in a purification state. Woo! Because one of the things that's been happening is preaching is to give the proclamation of the word. Well, America has been more proclamated to than any other nation on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. How much more can we broadcast Jesus Christ and him? <laughs> now, when are we going to start explaining what does that mean? You know, Bible class in a lot of churches have become nothing more than preaching services. Right. An extension Some of them have just singing. But now yeah. with an online service, you've got to teach. You ain't got time to hoop and holler. Now have an organ tune up behind you yeah, on, a, yeah. on a platform like this. Yeah. You've got to explain the word. Absolutely. You've got to give some principles and points for me to yeah. go back and study and read. And so what we're having now is people are learning. They are mm-hmm. maturing. They yes. are growing. Because every yes. time you get persecuted, God's squeezing you. Woo! Doc. Mm. Doc, Lord, have mercy. Every time you get persecuted, I had to write that down. God is yeah. squeezing you. You know, squeezing you just, to get a praise. Yes, sir. That's it. Doc, you know, you just said something that that, that just really blessed me. Uh, the distinction between the preaching and teaching, which has become so much more valuable, moving from the proclamation to the explanation of the word. And one of the things that I've come to understand is that preaching is both proclamation and demonstration. Uh, teaching is the explanation of how spiritual principle operates as it does. And the challenge is that when we don't understand the word of God, the kingdom and covenant and how the scriptures come as a story. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I can't remember who I saw, or who I read that said it, but, you know, we start out in infancy reading the Bible. And as we mature, the, the scriptures read us and we come into but, a but great- see, Here's the other thing. Yes, sir. Because we're one dimensional, we always think we got to do one or the other. I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting we stop preaching. No, of course not. Start teaching, or we start teaching and stop preaching. We've got a compound. The scripture yeah. has a lot of compound principles that yes. we got to keep adding to your faith, adding. Yeah. And, and, and yes, so, sir. but when we start putting one to the other, then we cancel out both. Yes, sir. You know, we, we've got to start learning how to compound our faith instead of trying to, oh, well, I shouldn't hear the preaching anymore. I should just have the teaching. And I know I'll just have the teaching. I will hear the preaching. No. God says, let's get them, let's get it both here. You gotta pray, you gotta praise, you gotta keep compounding to your faith. Peter says, keep adding to your faith. Add to your faith. Yes, sir. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. Now, no, please, please talk to us. That that's that's so critical. That's so important. Uh, that's so important. Compounding. You know, I think if, about if we don't take the compounding mm-hmm. and really understand that we gotta keep adding and adding. That's how we build mm. up. We got to keep adding and compounding. We're going to miss what God is saying. We're going to miss mm. what God is doing because we keep counseling one thing for the other. You know, either pray or praise. We praise or we worship. And so we go from one dimension to the other instead of compounding our dimensions because it's going to take all of this mm. to really bless us and to really move us into the pattern that God wants us to have in scripture. We're going to have to get to this whole issue. Um, man, I just looking at the chats and everybody's yes, on fire. 
Yeah, it's blowing up. Yeah, it's blowing up, Doc. It's blowing up. It's blowing up. And, and you know, you know, um, I mean, man, it, it's as a <clears throat> as a seasoned man of God, you started preaching when you were 15 years old. God ordained at 18 years old. I, I've got it in here. I got started <laughs> in your 20s. Uh, and you I won't say your age, but uh you're well seasoned. And, and and ministry for 58 years. You In two years, you'll be in the ministry for 60 years. You started your first church in 1979. Am I right? right. 78, right. 79. But, but next and year will be 60 years in the ministry. 60 years next year in, yeah. in, in the ministry. 60 years. Six decades. You know, what have you not seen? History is not linear. History is circular. And as we bring our, our dialogue to a close, and I'm so happy I was able to host this because you've hosted <laughs> on yours. And so I'm able to host <laughs> on mine uh, and they able to hear from my mentor who I get to talk to every single day. <laughs> and and, uh, and I'm so grateful for them. You know, you know, how, you know how much you mean to me. Um, what 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 will what do you think as we're closing? What do you think the post-pandemic church will look like? And what are some of the ways we can prepare for what's to come? Well, I hope it looks like Jesus Christ. Because yes. <laughs> everything is to be conformed to image of his son. Now, now, let me just put this pop in here before we close out. Yes, sir. No, no, go we ahead. Go. Go. Made, we were all made in the Adamic image, which got marred. The whole purpose of Christ's coming was to give us a new image. Mm. So everything is being made now into the image of Christ. So when we get to Romans chapter eight, and he gets there, you know, we, we like to stop in verse 28, you know, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, then we call according to his purpose. But then we gotta move down, that he's doing this to conform us to the image of his, of son. his son. Yes, sir. And so the image, what the church should be looking like is its founder. Woo. We should be looking more, church should be coming out of this pandemic, not looking Pentecostal, not looking Baptist, not looking Methodist, not looking AME, mm. not looking CME, but we should be coming out looking like Jesus. Yes, sir. My God. And so we should be conformed for it became him. I, lo mm. I love this text. It became him for whom are all things and by yes. whom are all things, things. to make the yes. captain of our Yes. Salvation, perfect yes. through yes. suffering. Glory to God. That's Jesus. Became who? Became Yes, sir. Mm. Became Jesus and to make him. God formed him, and so mm. now we're in His image. So yeah. uh, the Scripture says, "There's one God, and there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ yes. Jesus." Yes. Keep in mind, we don't complete the whole analogy of the incarnation. We keep talking about God became a man. But remember, the man went back to become God. Mm. The invisible mm. became visible, and what became visible went back to invisibility to be the only visible part of God. Good God Almighty. Lord, have and we get that in Revelation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Suddenly, there's a little figure beside the throne. All you <laughs> see is that in chapter four, 
All you see is this brilliance of light on the phone. Yes, sir. And everything's around. All of the four beasts, the 24 elders, everything mm -hmm. around the phone. You know, and, and somebody will make a presentation with 24 elders of the church. I, oh, come on. It, it, be, be real. It, it, this is, I, I'm sorry. But the 24 oh. uh, um, uh, legions that were in the Old Testament, the whole priesthood that was set up was a prefiguring of the elders that were in heaven. Yes, sir. The biblical yes, priesthood was a yes, prefiguring sir. of the elders that were in heaven. I yes, mean, sir. You, when you look at this whole thing, when you look at the picture of heaven in Revelation 4, you get the throne of God, which is so brilliant that even the angels can't even look. They can't see. even see. So the elders get off their throne, fall down and worship him because the glory is so powerful coming from the throne. They can't even look at the one who sits on the throne. When it's described who sit on the throne, all you see is a brilliant of spectral light. Come on, Doc. When we get to chapter 5 in Revelation, oh. we see, I see a little figure that's there by the throne and he's prefigured as a lamb and see we just yes. doing the wrong picture of the lamb we see mm -hmm. the little baby lamb but he's a ram he's yes, a sir. ram yes that's sir the figure you need to have the ram that's right. and that's, that's right and that's who's sitting uh beside the throne who's now conquered and so <laughs> the whole thing now becomes his revelation he yes, is sir. beside the throne and now he's mm -hmm. bridging earth and heaven Keep man, we just came out of the Christmas season. You know yes. the angels were rejoicing when they saw this baby. Yes. Now, it is now that Paul says the mystery of God is this great, that God yes. was manifested in the flesh. He yes. is now seen of angels. Hallelujah. And Isaiah chapter six, when the and when the angel when Isaiah talked about the angels, with two they they covered their feet, two they fly wings they fly, and two they covered their face because they could oh. never look at the glory of God. But seeing this baby born in Bethlehem, it is the first time that angels get a glimpse of God. Lord have mercy. Mm. And so, oh man, that it is it is so powerful, man. They're looking at this, they're marveling. That's why they sought singing. Because glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to what men. It's the first time that angels are getting to view God because they Whoa. always had to run from the awesomeness of his presence. But now Jesus, according to <laughs> Hebrews 1 and 3, is the radiance of God. God. I'm, I'm going right. to stop here because I'm getting no, 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 excited. Man, <laughs> man, you know, I, I tell you, oh, my God, you know, and and. I, I, when you just said that ram and, and Bishop Edwards had commented on, when you just said that ram, it yeah. stirred me because I thought about how Revelation is the eschaton, the end. Genesis is protology, the beginning. And that That's same right. ram, you know, it made me mm -hmm. think about uh, uh, when Abraham is going to sacrifice his son Isaac. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and as That's he's right. getting ready to sacrifice his son Isaac in obedience, you know, he's commanded to stop because God has a ram in the bush, you know, and, right. and, and oh man, you know, so so seeing the, the connection now of Abraham. He, the, he's got a ram, not a baby lamb. A yes, lamb. sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. It's a ram that goes into the wilderness that they forgot about. That That's right. hands laid on and he was sent out in the wilderness. John the Baptist mm. sees Jesus come and he says, mm. behold the lamb. The lamb of is the ram. Yes, sir. It takes away the sin. A Sins of the world. ram that got sitting in the wilderness. Not a baby lamb that's going to yes, sit his way around, but the ram that's who's been sitting in the wilderness right. that you forgot to impute your sins on. You kept that's sacrificing right. the one on the altar, but you forgot <laughs> to keep sending the lamb into the wilderness. 
That's right. And John said, here comes the lamb that y'all forgot that was going to take away your sins. Sins. The other lamb, all he did was cover your sin. Come on here. Here comes the one that's going to take it away. (laughs) And you know, I'll I'll throw this one. John 129. That's right. I'll throw this. I'll throw this. This this monkey wrench. Yeah, you gonna have to. Y'all gonna have to rewatch this. Uh, but mm-hmm. but in John five, when I was in Israel, it came alive to me because when uh, the the when you look at the sheep gate, and right. and by the pool of Bethesda, uh, mm-hmm. five smooth porches. But where the temple door is on that side was where the animals would be prepared for the sacrifice. Right. So right. you know. Uh, when I, when you just mentioned John saying, behold, the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world, we oftentimes mm-hmm. look at uh, the man, the lame man for 38 years. And Thomas Aquinas would begin to argue on the distinction of why it was 38 and not 40, the completion of a cycle. But when we look <laughs> at, <laughs> when we look, oh, man, I'll get stirred up. When we look at when we look at the side exit of where Bethesda was going toward it, we see the lame man as the one uh, in need, but it's also a picture, not him as the lamb, but Jesus coming to him as the alternate sacrifice because he's right by the door and he says, I am the door, you know? So, so being able to see how all of scripture points to Christ. That's right. And and when we get back to Jesus, every single dot, every single piece begins to make sense. And and what I'm so grateful about when it comes to 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 your ministry uh over over, over these years that God has used you is that you have always been true to the word of the Lord. And you've always been true to being integral in the scriptures. And I think that this is, this is, this is uh, so, 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 so uh, important because of the season that we find ourselves in. And this is the epiphany. This is the season of epiphany, which is. But let, uh, let me say this before we close. Come on, uh, come on, come on Bishop, hold on, hold on. Bishop is very important to me. That's why I came on this show because Please. he's been helping me edit my books, and we've got a book getting ready to come out uh, yeah. on decoding the kingdom. And, yes, sir. Um, my teaching that I've done, Bishop has helped me edit. Uh, Bishop Evans online. He's writing my. He's written my forward to it. Uh, get ready to release a whole teaching on the kingdom because Jesus had to decode the kingdom to the Pharisees. And I want to talk about that whole decoding because they misinterpreted what the kingdom was. And mm-hmm. and even folks who keep talking about the kingdom was postponed. It was not postponed. The kingdom is now and shall be. And so Jesus said, very importantly, when he was before Cat Pilate, that my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. And, and so while everybody tried to keep making the kingdom worldly, you know, it's it's not worldly, it's heavenly. It's a spiritual kingdom. It, it will get there, but right now, he said the kingdom that he's projecting now is a spiritual kingdom. That's right. That's right. And and we 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 sometimes I think the reason why we see that as we close is because we have a desire to make this thing happen on our own terms. And and again, decoding the kingdom will be out this spring. Uh, it's it's your yes. first literary work. You've been 
uh, preaching and teaching principles on it for the last 45 years, but your first literary work. And we're going to, what we'll do is we'll have another sit down when the books are printed uh, <clears throat> for you to uh, be able to share and articulate and build out of it. As we close out, can you uh, just close us out in, in a, a closing uh, prayer and anything else the Lord lays on your heart as we close out? Uh, yes, tonight? yes. I want to, first of all, thank all of you and I want to commend uh, Bishop for even having this dialogue and setting a spark because the spark is so important. That's how fires come by just a spark. Yes, so sir. The spark of the kingdom that's being released tonight mm. is uh, something that's very important. Um, the kingdom first is in power. And I want to say that the God has to demonstrate the power of the kingdom. Once the power is recognized, we move to the pattern. Once the pattern is practiced, then we move to the application. And I think it's so important that we begin to look at where God is taking the church, a mm -hmm. redefinition of where we are. Yeah, church is not fun, it's worship. And we've mm -hmm. got to get back to the sacredness Jesus. and the seriousness of who God is. God is sovereign, but he's not just only sovereign for what you want. He's sovereign over everything. Mm -hmm. Father, I thank you and praise you tonight because you. your word has been powerful. We pray that the word has been released in the earth right now would not return unto you void. We thank you for all of the leadership of Global Fire tonight, Lord. We thank you for the ministry. We thank you for everyone who is online tonight, who is here. Let him who have an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit says unto the church. Lord, even as the word may be a little radical, it is also necessary. And Father, we pray that it would penetrate and it would be like that sword that's sowing and that we would find good ground to fall on and that what's been sown in the heart will definitely be manifest in their life. Now, Lord, let our eyes be open and our ears attentive to the prayers and the praise and the teaching that has been offered in this place. Arise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation. Let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord, do not forget your anointed one and remember the great love you promised to David, your servant. God is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. Amen. Archbishop, thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, my Deacon Ivo was texting me and said, he said, he about to make you jump through the roof. I tell you. <laughs> Good word makes me just, I just lose myself. Thank you so kindly. We have some prompts on the screen. We can never, ever, ever put a price on anything like this, but we do want to uh, be a blessing to our apostolic father tonight. And I want you to uh, just see this is uh, not just a pastor's pastor, a bishop's bishop, a man of God of seasoned wisdom. And we're so honored. Uh, we have uh, several ways that we sow. Uh, you can text it global to 51400. This is just to be a blessing to what we have received tonight. A heavy invitation. Please rewatch it, re listen to it, get it in your spirit. You can also cash out dollar sign global mm -hmm. fire now. Uh, also, our Zelle global fire now at Gmail dot com. Uh, and lastly, texting the word global to 51400. All of those are viable ways uh, to be a blessing and to say God bless you and thank you for the man of God tonight. Archbishop, thank you so much for all that you do for me privately thank you. Uh, and publicly. I am the better because of it. And I always tell you when I grow up, I want to be like you. Uh, <laughs> 
Have a great bless night. You, I'll give you a ring. Uh, the Lord bless Amen. you, everyone. See you on Sunday. We're excited about worship in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen.